Hello, everyone. You're listening to the Cut It Out podcast. I'm your host, the Red Wizard. It's a beautiful day today in Buffalo, New York, despite the dark gray skies and slushy snow. There is a bright light today. The mask mandates were lifted in our schools and many other places. It's been nice to see so many smiles. It's been a while. Um, I'm not sure if I mentioned in the show before, but my wife is a medical doctor. And uh, when all these Omicron uh, searches, uh, cases surged <clears throat> a couple months ago, I had to drop everything and dedicate most of my free time to taking care of my wife and the three kids. I'm so grateful things have calmed down. And uh, we had a company over at our house for the first time in probably two years. Um, so it's it's been good. Um, so I took a little time off. Um, all the while, still dedicated to my artwork. And while I was busy and not posting a lot on social media, it gave me a lot of time to kind of think about the intentions of this podcast and, and my artwork and uh, in general. And um, I've decided, like, I feel like the most important thing an artist can have is a, a great attitude towards their work. And by this, I mean the actual act of working, the daily actions that we take um, to complete our visions. I wanted whoever it was going to be, um, I wanted my next guest to be someone who I felt had a fantastic attitude towards their work and had a, a good work ethic. And um, I decided that my friend Adam Krutinger would be, in my opinion, um, the best person that I personally knew uh, to have on the show. Um, Adam is a talented um, artist and performer, and um, we he is who I call the puppet master. He uh, makes puppets. He recently hit 100,000 followers on his YouTube channel. And my collage friends, don't worry. Adam uses lots of knives and things to cut with. So uh, we're going to be cutting it out just the same. Um, so let's bring Adam in here. And I'm super excited. Here we go. <laughs> Hey, Adam Dave. Hey, Thanks for having man? me, bud. Good. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you so much. And um, Adam, you are the reason that I created this podcast. <laughs> I so, remember. <laughs> I was ordering all this equipment while sitting in a hospital room as Michelle had either just given birth or we were waiting it was, we weren't even moved to the room that you go in like, you know, afterwards where you like take it easy for a couple of days. So I was uh, texting you, calling you, and I ordered all this stuff on Amazon. <laughs> no, I, I remember exactly. And I'm familiar <laughs> with that process too, because of course I just went through it three months ago again myself. So, <laughs> yes, you did. yeah, it's one of those things. It's one of those times where you have like no time, but also like, there's it's hurry up and wait a lot you know that yes. kind of situation right exactly. but um yeah so yeah perfect no i'm so glad to see it's up and going and i've watched a whole bunch of your episodes and it's just wonderful to watch you grow thank you and um speaking of growing you um recently hit um a hundred thousand followers on youtube so congratulations thanks thanks That's yeah huge. they um did they send you a plaque in the mail 
I do. I have my plaque. Yes, I do. That's awesome, man. I should grab it a little later. Show you. That's cool. I, I wonder if that's going to be more relevant than an Oscar soon. <laughs> well, not the one hundred thousand <laughs> subscriber one for sure. It's good for it's one of the threat. I said it in one of my in my unboxing video. The threshold. Uh, there's such humongous jumps. So you get you get the first one, the silver for your first one hundred thousand subscribers, and then the next one you don't get to a million. And I mean, a million is a humongous difference. And then the next one after that is ten million. And then the next one after that is a hundred million. So it's just like the gap just is forever getting larger and larger so and that's part of why i did my unboxing too because i realize the chances are this is the only unboxing for uh an award like this we'll be able to do uh, how big can a puppet channel get right so i don't i don't know man maybe if uh, the next one of the next star wars movies if they use a gigantic you know uh marionette rancor or something maybe uh <laughs> Of millions of people are going to want to know how to make that or something. Yeah, hopefully oh. Star Wars be- stays relevant. It doesn't seem like it's necessarily happening. Oh. As a Star Wars fan, I say that. As a fan, I still love it. But So, um, before we get into uh, the nitty-gritty of your content, and as we're talking, I'm realizing like just how um, smart you are about social media and, and how to use it. And I think it's, it's the name of the game right now, so I think our listeners are going to get a, a lot of good info from you. But I want to kind of go back to the beginning. Um, well, what makes you tick? Because you, as far as I can tell, and we talk at least once a week, um, you work on your puppets and your projects every day. Um, I've even seen you uh, live stream while building a puppet while also holding a baby. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I think the yep. t-shirt said something about puppetry at, at the same time. So so what makes you tick, man? What what gives you this drive? You know, it's it's one of those things I think I think it's something a lot of artists can relate to. Like if you're a true artist, making art is not a choice. It's an outlet. It's like it's again to be cheesy, it's it's like breathing in a way. If I go a, I can't I literally can't go a, like a week without working on something. If I if I wanted to, if my life depended on it, and uh, and the the reason why I started the YouTube channel is it kind of not that you need an excuse to make art, but it's nice to have a, to have a reason. So I kind of started doing the YouTube as a way of two things. Number one, to hold myself accountable to keep making art every day or as much as I can. Sure. And then, uh, and giving myself a schedule of releasing a video at first every other week. So it gave me a little bit of time to edit and whatnot too. And also just being able to share whatever I'm doing with the world and hopefully, you know, make some, get some other people interested in it too. The puppetry that is. Yeah, I think um, it's, that's the one cool kind of helping hand that social media can give you is it does make you accountable right um one of my favorite um quotes for work ethic is uh tony robbins said if you want to be great at something you have to be able to measure it Mm, right yeah so it's like if you have an olympic athlete the reason why they get there is because they're measuring every you know damn calorie protein sprint everything and um social media you know even if it's a daily post um yeah when when i started um this my uh, red wizard collage is a project I knew I had to, I didn't have the laser focus that you had. I had to kind of uh, literally rein my ADD in uh, that wanted to do 500 things at once. And so I told myself, I'm only going to make collages 
for the uh, foreseeable future, and I'm gonna try to post one every day to Instagram. Yeah. Um, so, well, uh, one thing I just want to pop into and say, like, yeah, <laughs> I, you know, as you can imagine, as most artists can, uh, it, it may look a little bit more organized on the outside than it actually is. You know, in the same way, I have, you know, even though I produce something every other week, or and now I'm trying to do it every week, um, there's a lot of things still on my table some things that have been on my table for a year and other side projects that I've started. I, I know it's something that me and you've talked privately about. I don't think I've really talked publicly about it, but uh, I'm, I'm working on a book now that I'm trying to to get out by the summer. It's essentially a puppetry 101 book, uh, you know, how, how to get into puppetry, um, which is a big project I've been working on for a long, for, you know, about a year now. And uh, I feel like I'm closing in on it. But um, but again, like there's just so many. I started a, another channel now too, a more entertainment channel, an educational channel for for kids. Mm -hmm. So like, I've got so many wheels spinning. And again, oh my gosh, like I just say, so many projects that I, I have. I have, I have half a puppet sitting over there. I started like a year ago. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, I'd like to. Uh, and again, when I say that too, like. When I say it looks more organized on the outside than it does on the inside, that's not on purpose. Like, I'm not doing it to hide things that I'm not doing. It's mm. just a matter, I don't know, man. It's just, you know, the grass is always greener on the other side. Well, it seems that you certainly do have momentum, right? Because even if you are working on a puppet and you put it aside for a year, you, you're still keeping the wheels moving, right? And maybe not specifically on that project, but like oh oh, you mean moving. as a uh, in my shop, you know things yeah, are like still coming out. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. My yeah. buddy, um, and at first of all, I love that quote that you mentioned about uh, the way I've heard it said is what gets measured gets done, which mm -hmm. I think is very true in, in a lot of things. It's a, it's a business better, mindset yeah. as well. Um, but um, my other buddy, I forgot the exact kind of quote that he says for it. my buddy uh, Brian Seppi tells me I forgot where he got it from. Is like in order to get more ideas in, you have to let more out, right? Like yeah. to make room for new ideas and new projects, you got to get projects off your table and out of your head. And sometimes um, that's easier said than done, which is why sometimes, you know, even though, uh, you know, some of these projects they've been working on for a long time, um, it's nice to get some of these smaller accomplishments done too. Like I just built a puppet for a local theater production. And they called me. They said, we need this little puppet. I was like, oh, my gosh. I do not have time to take on another project. Mm -hmm. I don't want to hang it over, to me, over me. But the thing that actually was appealing to me usually comes off as a negative to most people, that them saying they need it by this weekend. So I was like, well, you know, I can't let this project drag. So you know what? I'll just mm -hmm. take it. Whip it out in a day or two, and then and then you know then I've got content. I I, I worked on this uh, local community theater project, which I'm passionate about local, not only local things but local theater as well. So it's something that was able to check a couple boxes for me and make me feel more productive, even though taking that project was literally forcing me to procrastinate from something that I probably actually needed to be doing. I understand. Yeah. Well. Um you reminded me of two things. One of the things that you helped me with the most recently was um, you interest, you introduced me to uh, Seth Godin's idea of project debt. Yeah. Right. Just like you could have a financial debt where you're, you're, you kind of, you know, uh, what do they say? Uh, uh, debtor is slave to creditor, something like that. Where, so if you sign on to too many things, then you could be uh, stretched thin or, in my case, where both of our cases, we have so little free time, you know, being um, 
working full time, um, having our artwork and our families. Um, you you basically you talked me off of the ledge of like uh, starting something that I just would have been completely uh, engulfed in and had like probably no chance crawling out. I got super into the risography uh, printers, which are these like weird Japanese um, printers that you could um, basically print prints that look like uh, like screen prints on. Yeah. And I was like, Adam, new, I, oh, this is great. You know, all I got to do is sell this many prints and this printer is going to be like free and then I'll be able to do all this stuff with it. And then you're like, well, you're going to be basically worrying about, you know, making ends meet on this printer and you're not going to be, you know, making your artwork, yeah. which was true. And um, that article you sent me about uh, Seth with Seth Godin's project, that was super helpful. Um, but I do think there is something about taking different things on and maybe letting certain projects go. That's important, too, because knowing what you like is almost as important as knowing what you don't like, yeah. right? So I might start a project and I'll be hyped about it. And once I get going, I might just really not enjoy uh, what I'm doing or how the project is turning out. And mm -hmm. I do think it's important to just let things go or maybe just put on the back burner, even if it's years. Just be yeah. like, you know what? I, I'm slowing down because I'm trying to make this work. Yeah. Or I'm like, oh, I don't even want to go in the studio because I'm trying to make this work. Yeah. So maybe the problem isn't me. It's like what I'm working on is I'm not into it. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, when I when you were talking about that, the thing that I the reason why it just was so obvious to me right away that that was probably the wrong direction for you is just like and sometimes it's easier to see in other people than it is on, on to see on yourself which is why it's important to have like again as my buddy brian seppi says a thought partner to be able to work things off of and um you know i just saw like I, I can tell in talking to you even if you don't know it yourself like what your goal is as an artist and and being a printer is and not and, and doing prints for other people is not part of your overall goal. And I can relate to something that I'm going through myself because, like, so bad, I want to get a 3D printer. I think I could use it so much in my puppet building, and I definitely, mm. definitely could. But one thing that I do know about 3D printing is, like, it is a whole world of its own. Like, there are people with... YouTube, tons of people, YouTube channels on just 3D printing. Like, mm. uh, and, and the machines at this point can take so much maintenance and whatnot. And it's definitely something I could get value of, uh, out of. But do I need to be, do I need my own and do I need to do it? If I need something 3D printed, I can call a buddy. I can get it done at school. I can shop that out. So I can still use those elements without needing to invest all this learning and time into it myself. Even though, one thing I'm going to say, one day I know I will get a 3D printer. I'm kind of mm -hmm. waiting for it to be a little less maintenance. The technology is growing you know, getting way better every single year with it. So I figure in about five years, it'll be way less maintenance than they currently are. Mm -hmm. But uh, again, it's just something that um, I just, I, again, like you said too, I'm struggling to have more time right now to even make the art that I'm making, let alone to, to mess around with that clerical, technical work of learning and, uh, output of something that's just like a piece of what my overall goal is yeah 
Hmm. Well, you're certainly getting reps in, you know, you're certainly getting reps in, which is, yeah. which is fantastic. Um, another thing, another concept, because I eventually want to talk about the first time you ever held a, a notable puppet, which if I have the story right, I think you got to hold a Jim Henson puppet. And that was like a, 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 game, cha- a game changer for you. Yeah, yeah. It was. Um, it wasn't an actual Jim Henson puppet, but it was built by someone who had worked with the Jim Henson company. Gotcha. So it was essentially a Henson style, not only style, but a Henson level, a quality level of build. And just and for our listeners, this was like you weren't even interested in puppetry at this point, right? You just none. someone you basically had this thing in your hands. What were you doing before you held your first uh, puppet? Like, what, what what were you doing with your time creatively or whatever? I was a full time magician. Nice. <laughs> yeah, doing magic <laughs> magic shows, and uh, at the time, you know, I was involved in a theater production of Little Shop of Horrors, where they they needed uh, they needed three puppeteers: a main puppeteer, which was not me, and two other side puppeteers to do like the branches and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, they said, "Oh, he's a magician. That's kind of like a puppeteer. Why don't we have him do it?" Okay. Uh-huh. But then I met my buddy Zach, who had that puppet that uh, that frog puppet that he named Sebastian, kind of like mm-hmm. a Hugh Hefner Kermit the Frog style puppet, but again built by Terry Angus, who again worked on Fraggle Rock, and um, again had a Henson level quality of building. And I saw mm-hmm. this thing in my hand. You know, you see him on TV. I never thought like I knew they were puppets on Sesame Street and Fraggle Rock. But I just they just seemed like live cartoon characters. Like it didn't seem it never look I never looked at those characters and said, Somebody made that. No, they're just like characters that are alive. But seeing one in my hands, I was like, Wow. Immediately just like hit me like a ton of bricks, like somebody made this. This is art and I wanna be a part of this. That's great. And then from that moment, it was two thousand and eight, I never looked back. Started making puppets that weekend. And then, yeah. So was it like kind of looking on the inside of it and seeing like the components or what? what Not even. I I did do that that eventually. Yeah. I did do that eventually to kind of learn, you know, see what kind of techniques were being used. But Mm -hmm. it wasn't even that. It was just a matter of holding the physical thing in your hand, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was just it was just surreal because, again, you only ever see it on TV. It's like it's imagine like holding a cartoon character, you know, it's like you can't even do that. But this is the closest thing to being able to do that. And then you're seeing it in your hands. Right. It's like, Mm -hmm. wow, like this is look, at there's a screw inside of here. Like what? Like that's just it's just it was just surreal to me at the time so that was in 2008 and um when did you start making like uh like consistent youtube videos sharing with people like how to uh make puppets would you say like originally most of your content was sharing like puppet building and like stuff like that no, not necessarily, because I wasn't, uh, I was mostly, so I started making puppets right away, and mm. at the time, my main, uh, you know, I would just post them on Facebook. I would just mm-hmm. post them on Facebook, um, you know, and uh, I think at the time, Facebook was less for, like, putting any videos up, it was mostly just photos, so I just, like, take a, you know, mini video of a process, uh, you know, of a puppet partway built, and then film that and throw it on YouTube so I could share that link on on Facebook, but then mm-hmm. I just get lots of people asking me questions on Facebook, like, "Oh, how did you make this? Like, this is so good. Oh, what what fur did you use? What this? How did you do that? Where's the pattern?" Getting all these questions, and it was just 
uh, you know, I was grateful for it. The people were interested in the work, but it was so many. It was also, honestly kind of annoyed. So I was like, you know what? People keep asking me how to do this. Like, I'm going to make one video on how to make a puppet. So anytime anyone asks me, I don't even have to like respond. I can just get the link, send it to them. Boom. This is the technique that I use. Done. You know, just be able to, you know, essentially save more of my time. I don't want to be answering people's questions all day. I want to yeah. make puppets. Yeah. So I made one video. I think that was 2012, 14. I don't even remember. It was a while ago. Mm-hmm. I think at this point it was like six or seven years ago. Uh, and I just did made the head. And I made that video. It was took forever. A lot of editing. Oh, my gosh. It looks so different. It's in this very room, too. Posted it, and then just forgot about it. Completely forgot about it. Never finished that puppet. All I made was the head, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, like, two or three years went by, and I looked back at that video, and it had, like, over 200,000 views on it. I was like, wow. Whoa. That's kind of a lot. Mm-hmm. And looking at all the comments, people go, how do you make the body? Where's the body video? Because <laughs> it was just the head. Where's part two? I can't find part two. I've been searching all day. So I was like, oh, boy, you know, like, I never finished that puppet. And I couldn't finish it because I, I didn't even have the head anymore. I was like, you know what? You know, and, and at the time, I got a new camera, and I got a new editing software, too. And luckily, I enjoy the process of, you know, filming and editing videos. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to make – I'm going to start again, make a new series beginning to end. It was actually the making of uh, this green puppet here. Mm-hmm. Ended up being 22 episodes long. Um, wow. You know, videos ranging from anywhere from probably about five minutes to 12 minutes each. And then made that. But in the process of making those 22 videos, I was like, you know what? I like making videos and mm-hmm. I like making puppets. I'm like, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to keep doing it. I learned video editing in high school. I took all those courses. Mm-hmm. So I had the um, the background and interest and aptitude to do it. And I just... You know, again, then then I was like, you know, what? How can I keep my? How can I make sure that I keep doing this? I'm like, I'm gonna make a schedule. What gets measured gets done. Every other Wednesday, I'm gonna release a video, and then that's what I did, and I did that for you know four or five years, and then we started the podcast. So I started doing that in between the weeks, so it was mm-hmm. weekly videos, and then uh, last year I was able to get an editor which was uh, amazing because it turned my editing time into more building time. So mm. now I can just build, 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 send the footage. Instead of edit, build, 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 and just keep sending footage. So I was able to do weekly tutorials for a while. Now I've kind of, since having my, my son, um, mm. you know, go back and forth to biweekly and weekly. But, um, but yeah, I was able to get into a rhythm again, and it just, you know, I... I'm just enjoying it and trying to make the most out of it. Mm-hmm. It's helped mm-hmm. me grow so much. Like, I don't know if I would have developed as an artist as much as I have if I wasn't forcing that output. So that kind of brings us back to what we were talking about first is this, maybe it's not accountability anymore, but it's like, hey, you know, I got to make a video. I Now I have people that want to know what I'm up to. Um, and you have uh, a Facebook community online, right? You have a whole community of uh, people that now are helping each other um, give each other tips and building puppets. How many people 
are in the the Krutinger Puppet Facebook group. Yeah, I just changed the name recently because I just changed the name of my whole channel, the Puppet Nerd. So oh, now it's you. the Puppet Nerd Tutorial Q and A. Um, oh gosh, I think it's over ten thousand now. Last I checked. Mm -hmm. Um, but no, that that's going great too, and I just it's a nice a nice little community of people learning. And and one thing that's really amazing is just like since I started that group, like again four or five years ago, maybe even just three years ago, you know, there's there's people who've been in there since the beginning, and seeing them post their puppets three years ago versus mm -hmm. seeing those same people post them now, just seeing like wow, holy cow, like the the improvements that they've had and watching them all grow too has been amazing and they're and they're equally help uh uh there to help people that maybe just joined this week and they're still learning uh showing people what they came up with showing processes that they've done mm -hmm. little things that they've tweaked oh adam did this but i found if this works better for me which mm -hmm. is great which is great because because again the other thing is too like because you look at my YouTube channel, most of my videos are framed as a tutorial, but truthfully, not all of them were meant necessarily to be that. Like, it was just like, I need to do this technique and or learn this technique. Oh, here's a perfect example. The video that I just posted this last week for my birthday was how to make these, uh, like on Sesame Street, these number puppets here, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. Like here's number three. Oh, it was just your 36th birthday, wasn't it? Is that why? You uh, 34, 34. Then this guy's pupil just fell off. <laughs> but, but, um, but the four. I had never made those styles of puppets before. I've never made them before. But I had an idea of how it would come together. So I just filmed the making of it and talked about what I was doing as I was doing it. And then all of a sudden, it's a tutorial. It's a how-to video. Mm -hmm. um, even though essentially. I'm kind of teaching something that I've never even done exactly. Yes, I've built puppets, hundreds of puppets, you know. But uh, the technique was a little different than what I traditionally use. So I was really just taking people on the journey for uh, with me. and But framing it as a tutorial, um, well, just first of all, it just helps people find it. Because that's how people yeah. use YouTube, right? They yeah. don't type in, I want to watch someone make a number of puppets. No, they type in how, how to. How to do anything, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So that framing alone just helps people find it, mm -hmm. um, which I think helps everybody. So that so that brings me to the next thing I want to bring up. You and I are both uh, Gary V fans. I, I think it's fair to um, call Gary V a social media uh, guru or genius. Um, <laughs> sometimes I think his like secret weapon is really just the fact that he tells the story about how he's going to. Uh, by the New York Giants one day. So I even, think it's the Jets. I'm sorry, Jets. Oh God, Jesus Christ, <coughs> Gary V. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and he's got it down where he's like, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll be like 70 years old by the time I could afford. God only knows how many. Uh, probably cost over. I don't even know how much. I don't watch football, but over a billion dollars to probably buy that for fun. It's not like he's you know uh, buying some land for something. It's no. He's like that's what. It, what is a professional football team for a billionaire? It's like a, it's a, it's a toy. Yeah, exact toy. Yeah. So it's a toy. Yeah. One of my favorite Gary V quotes where he doesn't talk about art very often. He often talks about musicians and stuff. But one time he mentioned something about art. He's talking about Instagram. He said, no one gives a fuck about your pretty picture. Hmm. And at first that feels like a gut punch. It's like, oh, shit. Well, what am I doing as an artist? But it, 
isn't that what I'm basically making? Pretty pictures, pretty puppets or whatever. But you've already hinted at, I think you have a great understanding of, of social media and how it works and, and, you know, how to, what do they call it? Get leverage or whatever. You, you're making your puppets anyway. And yes, maybe in social media, you're making puppets that you normally wouldn't. But because you're framing it, how to do it or showing people how to do it, you are sharing something of value for your viewers or complete strangers or whoever. So you've built this community on Facebook. You have this successful YouTube channel. And in my opinion, the, the, the real power of it, obviously you're super talented, but it's also that you're sharing your passion and your technical know-how um, with everyone. There's no, you know, there's no scheme or guile, you know, mm -hmm. you're just showing people fully how to make these things. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. There's so much to say about that. You know, first of all, what I'll say is like, I, I, I do, I think Gary V is great. I know he gets a lot of flack and, uh, and I think it's a lot of people that are just kind of mostly taking him out of context, out of context mm -hmm. and, or they see a clip where, cause sometimes he says things to an individual, a lot of his uh, videos are like talking to an individual because he just kind of records his life and puts it out there as for as far as his business life and these interactions. So he'll give someone a specific piece of advice like you need to hustle, you need to do this and that. And what people don't realize is they're not like taking it in their own way. Like that's what that he read that person, he had a longer conversation with that person, and he realized that's what that person needs in that moment. And yeah. a lot of people take away that he's saying that for everyone always. You know, his his one of his main things is just is not is not like try to get rich and, and hustle. It's about doing his overall message really is like find what you love and if you're passionate about it, you can probably make a living. Not not make a like a be a millionaire he's not saying yeah. but like you can take something and your hobby and probably if you do it right using social media and putting yourself out there you can probably make forty thousand dollars a year maybe you can yeah. make sixty thousand dollars a year a very modest living instead of working a job that you hate you know mm -hmm. that's kind of his overall message and that's, that's one thing that i do like about him but like you mentioned seth godin so i, I don't really listen to any one person i just take sure. listen to a lot of things and take out of it what i what i what i get but one thing that i think has helped me the most in being able to grow whatever this puppet nerd thing is 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 kind of like not to say it like it's gonna sound, it sound the wrong way but like i wasn't really trying trying to do anything like i mm -hmm. i was never really i do like it when people watch the well, video i like clear. it when i get you what was that clear you made that clear when you like just posted the head video and then you didn't even look at it and then like two years later had two hundred thousand views right yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. You, you proved that already that you weren't trying to, you know, take over the yeah, world. Yeah. Yeah. But but you you could you could justify that uh, he is now cuz look, he's doing this. Oh, the 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 Venom movie came out and he did a Venom puppet, you know. Oh, let's look at that. I got that right here. <laughs> oh, do you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, cuz like you you look at that, but again, like if honestly, I mean, again, people might not believe this, honestly. If I I, I'd make that anyway, <laughs> you know? I mean, look at this room. Look at all the things I've made for years. Like, it's, I'm just really doing what I want to do, and I'm just sharing it with with people. And as far as social media goes, I think that's 
what helps people grow more than anything. There's an authenticity to just just doing things that make you happy. Like honestly, if I was truly trying to like you know uh like get some sort of algorithm and try to get more and more followers or and or money or whatever, there's a lot of things that I'm doing that you just wouldn't do, you know. Yeah. You, you you know, I it would be you know, again, because all I'm really doing is filming every project that I do and then mm. just putting it out there. That That's pretty much all that I'm doing. And I think part of what... Yeah, you could have been making YouTube videos about anything, about cryptocurrency. Like You could have been making YouTube videos and content that would have definitely generated more, uh, like, you know, money oh, yeah. for you, uh, the pay-per-click thing. Um, yeah, yeah so. but not only that, too, but, like, part of what it works, what helps is just this compiling factor of doing it every week because maybe let's say you like two people each week discover my video and if they like it then they come on this journey with me and the more they watch the more likely they're probably going to watch another one maybe not everyone but another one you know i was just thinking about it the other day like think of it like going on vacation right mm -hmm. if you think of uh, a video watching sitting back on the couch or on the john watching a youtube video letting time pass in a way it's a little bit of a mental vacation right sure mm -hmm. and for a physical vacation if you're going to go on a vacation uh mr wizard who are you going to go with are you going to go on a vacation with a random person you've never seen before or are you going to go with someone that you know someone that i know Someone that you know, someone that, That's you know, I mean, I've had fun with them before. Maybe I'll have fun with them again on this little trip too, right? Mm -hmm. So I feel like the more, from that standpoint, the more you put out, the more people will be familiar with you and your work, and the more likely they're going to go on that little mental vacation into the, into your videos as well. You know, mm -hmm. there's some, in a way, you're almost building like trust with them in a way. That, that that if they see your video once and it doesn't waste their time and they, and they enjoyed it, um, are there they'll go on that, it again. I get so many comments it? of people uh, saying that like I don't even I've never made a puppet in my life and I'm never gonna make a puppet, but I love you watching your videos anyway. You know, and that's the other thing too. There's a whole industry of people wa watching things get made and they never do it. It's called the Food Network. <laughs> Okay, the yeah. Food Channel, uh, even <laughs> even how it's made, shows like that. Yeah. I'm never gonna yeah, get point. a factory make a crayon, okay, a crayon factory. <laughs> but it's really interesting. Yeah. It's really yeah. interesting to yeah. watch crayons get made. You know, yeah. uh, how a bottle of toothpaste gets made and filled. Like mm -hmm. people just like watching things. It's it's str strangely satisfying watching something be made. You know, and mm -hmm. and even if you're never going to make one. I think you still, you still learn something. Sure. Sure. Yeah. That's, um, that's the, the crazy thing about, um, the social media technology in general is it's like very easy to share anything. And, um, TikTok, when that really exploded, I think made certain things that maybe were always cool, but really weren't like, a pop culture cool cool again because um if i just take a picture let's say i have a candy maker and i just take a picture of like some candy canes it might be a pretty picture gary v says no one gives a shit about your your pretty picture or whatever right mm -hmm. but now that video is so accessible you could see me like stretching that sugar cane dough stuff whatever it is you know what i mean it almost mm -hmm. looks like they're 
you know, cutting um, hot glass and stuff like that. Um, skateboarding got huge because like video, seeing the simple glide, this kind of satisfying content thing. Um, it's just, it's available for everybody. Yeah. So <laughs> you and I, when TikTok first came out, were hitting it super hard. <laughs> and you called me and you were like, hey, don't forget about me. You're going to be huge, Red Wizard. Don't forget me. I was like, fuck, is Adam talking about? And then what, a week later, I got my first viral video on TikTok. I don't know how many million views that one is now. It might be a three or five or whatever. Mm -hmm. Since then, I've got a few videos that went to like seven million views. Mm -hmm. And that was an extremely um, exciting time for me. But I will say, you know, it's been about two years since that happened. And at the time, people were saying like, yeah, it's it's kind of hit or miss. It's hard for building a community. And I do think that's true. I feel like the quality of followers that you have on um, YouTube and Facebook are mm -hmm. it's it's a different it's a different investment of, of follower um, than TikTok. And I I know I'm kind of rambling now, mm -hmm. um, but I do want to get more into some social media stuff in a second. But I learned something about you the other day when Marie and I, your wife, we went we went to dinner. Right. And she told me <laughs> that um, was your dad like an engineer. Mm -hmm. OK. And he what is he invented a few things? What does he got some patents or something yep. like that? Mm -hmm. Yep. So he does uh, lift gates, particularly that's industries and in. for trucks. Yep. OK. So here's a guy who's been thinking about lift gates for trucks. Very smart. For how long has he been doing that for? Oh, my gosh. Since he was like probably 25. And so to me, like you're the, if something clicked, I'm like, wow, Adam's like the artist with like the engineer, with the, like an engineer brain. Mm. Because some of the stuff that you make, like the way it articulates, the way that it, it, it can adjust and move, like you're using, you're not just using cloth and sewing stuff. You're using wire and, and metal and wood. You're using what vacuum, uh, What's that thing that you could like vacuum? Yeah, uh, vacuum forming. You're using a ton of stuff. Well, at the same time, you're 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 just like with a cooking channel. I think why cooking like everyone enjoys because you saw yourself cook, you seen your grandmother cook. You kind of know how it works. Mm -hmm. What I think is so awesome about um, your uh, YouTube channel is even though you're making all this complicated stuff, it's like it you could you intuitively, it makes sense when, when you're watching it. Mm. Um, I'm just as a viewer. So, um, anyway, you're, you're, yeah, I try to, really I try cool. to make it as accessible as possible. Even, mm -hmm. even processes that are complicated. I try to show them in an uncomplicated way or to really break it down. Like for like, again, vacuum formers can get extremely complex. You know, there are ones as big as this, the room that I'm in. But the one I have is a little $100 dental one, which is great for little things for makers. And and, and even a, a mold-making casting process can get so extremely complicated. But I try to break it down in a simple way that's accessible to people. And I think that's part of what people like. But just to get a little bit over to what you're talking about, followers and whatnot. So I'm not saying you're doing this, but people get so caught up in followers and subscribers and what mm -hmm. that means, right? Mm-hmm. 
And I think part of why I have the outlook that I have on social media and why I say, and when I say, I really, I mean, like, again, I value everyone who follows me and, and, and really, and more so the people who are part of the community and in the groups and mm -hmm. into the comments and having a conversation. That I really value. The number, even though I acknowledge it and I'm grateful for it because it's other people, I, it, it doesn't mean what people think it means. Because, like, followers, like, mm. what does it mean to be a follower? Like, then to follow something, you know? I and and, and to subscribe, to subscribe. Like, what does all that mean? So, like, in my head, all these things mean different things, and they also mean different things in different platforms. For mm -hmm. example, on YouTube, to me, a subscriber isn't, like, I have a, over 100,000 subscribers. Every video I make doesn't get 100,000 views. You know? So how much are they following me if they haven't, if my recent one that I posted only has 10,000 views, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't even hit my whole audience. Not to mention, if I, hit my, if I look at my analytics, it'll show me a certain percentage of the watchers that aren't even subscribers. So a subscription mm -hmm. on YouTube is really more of a bookmark, the way I see it. Mm -hmm. It's like someone bookmarking a page. It's some saying, hey, I got value out of this, and I don't want to, I want to be able to find this later, so I'm going to hit subscribe, so it shows up for me sometimes so I can keep tabs on it when I want to go back to it, right? Mm -hmm. Although, of course, there are the people that are there to watch every single day. So, so it is a little bit of both. But the percentage, like, you only truly capture, I would think, I mean, if you're lucky, like 10% of the people that are really there every single time right away. But then again, I've, I, I have one video that just hit a million views that I posted last year. So again, nice. that should show you how far outside of your audience they can go. But again, then you look at something like TikTok, because followers on TikTok are not even like followers quite on YouTube. Some people probably use it as a bookmark. To me, on TikTok, a follower is really more like a like. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like they'll hit follow if, if they like it. And, and also, like I find myself on accident following pages on TikTok that I never thought that I followed just because of the, the interface. Like I think double tapping will automatically make you yeah. uh, follow. So it's like, it's like how much of it is accidental and not to mention again, it is kind of like a bookmark in that when 90 per 99% of people, when they go to TikTok, where do they go? The for you page, they go to the for and, you page, just, right? You just, you just let it wash over you. Yeah, you go to the it's For You page, you. and guess what? Yeah, sometimes people you subscribed, you followed, are in your For You page, but generally, you know, all the people you subscribe to are in your follows uh, thread. And yeah. most people go to the For You because they want to find something new. They want to mm -hmm. find something new. So what I, I find... I, I also think with TikTok is like, I think, if I think about myself, it's almost like I'm looking for a tickle. Like, yeah. Well, um, that's, a good, that's a good way I, to put it. I want to laugh or I don't know yeah. what I'm looking for. Maybe I want to laugh. Maybe I want to see some kind of like disaster, like, oh, God, you know, um, yeah. a tickle. Yeah. Well, but not only that, you look at something, you know, when TikTok first came out, it was at a time where if you asked me, I would have said there probably won't be many brand new social media uh, platforms because like there's people with millions of followers on YouTube, millions of followers. Who's going to want to start ground up again? Cause it's so much work to get a following. Mm -hmm. But what TikTok did is like, well, let's do something where it's 
easy to get. I mean, so many people, there's people who have Instagrams with maybe 10 followers, but they have 2,000 followers on TikTok because the algorithm is kind of made to allow everyone to have a certain amount of success on it. Not to say everyone's going to be famous. You get a shot. But it, yeah, no, not every, it's not even that you get a shot, too. Mm-hmm. Like, it, literally, if you just keep doing it, something like like we talked about with your video, that your first video that went viral, you never in 100 years would have guessed which one it was. Never. Not, never, never in 100 years. could have ever guessed what I was doing was going to work. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. But that's what it does is TikTok found, hey, if we make it easy for people to get a de- you know, a modest following of even you know a couple hundred or a thousand people everyone's going to want to use it. It gives yeah. everyone that taste. And if we give a lot of people that taste of getting something with a lot of views, they're going to mm. keep coming back. And mm. it really took advantage of that psyche, whereas like Instagram makes it kind of hard to get a really big following. YouTube like makes it, it very hard to get a big following. Like Instagram, TikTok made it easy. Mm-hmm. Easy if you are any level of, of, of uh, you know, um, what do I want to say? I almost want to say competence, but it sounds a little bit too harsh. But I, I guess if you put any real thought, and, and actually sometimes if you put no thought into it, I mean, there's crazy things that go viral on TikTok that yeah. would never go viral on any other platform. Yeah. But, um, but again, now all that said, mm-hmm. all that said, though, I think TikTok has a lot of value for the same reason. Well, actually, if no, if no other reason, the reason I said before about it being like a vacation, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas it's just, even though uh, TikTok has expanded its audience much more. I mean, look, there's old people like me and you on there, right? <laughs> but uh, it's definitely geared more toward younger people than the other platforms are as much, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, the, me putting things on there, there's pe- probably young people that discover me on TikTok that migrate over to my YouTube to see my my. You know, my pillar content. So it's just another way of people saying like, or if they just happen to randomly find me on Instagram or YouTube, you know, it's a matter of like, oh, this guy's familiar. I saw one of his TikToks. And then that familiarity makes them want to subscribe and or go on go on that mental mm-hmm. vacation and watch another video. So it's so, just really about, again, which is one of uh, Gary's main points too, of mm-hmm. just going where the attention is. Sure. So again, like TikTok, I don't even have a, a big following. TikTok is, I think, my smallest following anywhere that I have, especially with my mentality of, a, of a, essentially a follow being the value of a like on TikTok. It's definitely my smallest. Mm-hmm. But uh, but there's still value in it because it's a different. Again, here's another example, like like uh, Pepsi Cola. Okay, what? Why would Pepsi say we're only going to sell our pup, our our soda at Target? Right? Why would they do that? They don't do that. They sell it at Target and yeah. Walmart. You know, How'd that actually and, happen. I couldn't think of a single. No, 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 <laughs> no. I mean, they, they don't. They yeah. want to go where people are, and they know there's people at Walmart and there's people at Target. There's a lot of people like, oh, I'm only going to post on Instagram. I'm only going to post on YouTube. Like, yeah. There's different people at both. Mm-hmm. Some people go to both. Sometimes if Walmart's mm-hmm. closer, I'll stop there, even though the Target's more my, more my preference. I'll so, just do whatever I need to do. So, so like. Wanna- I want yeah, um, I kind of want to um kind of uh look at the bigger picture here because one thing I think you're really good at is what you're doing is explaining the nuance of all this different social media. And so in my opinion you look at social media as being like all these different tools in the artist's arsenal, 
right? And um, mm. so, for example, you described TikTok to me once as the backstage pass mm. or like a look behind the scenes, right? Yeah. You know, because if you're building a 20-minute video on how to build a magical dragon or something like that, you can't make a 20-minute video on TikTok and you're never going to ask TikTok. You're never going to type in TikTok, how do I build a puppet? How do I fix my sink? Okay, you will do that on YouTube. So you described um, TikTok as like the back, uh, like a peak backstage, mm -hmm. right? In, um, well, and, and a playground. A playground. So what do you mean by like, well, well hold on. So, so let's, let's look at, so let's look at, let's just hit at some of the other ones or at least bring them to the table real quick. So mm -hmm. we've talked a bit about TikTok. We've talked about YouTube. Mm -hmm. uh, we've talked a, a bit about Facebook. Um, I guess to summarize, Facebook to me kind of seems like they almost like seem to have like replaced like the blog in a way or like mm. a people's homepage. It's kind of a place where things collect. It's almost like, well, um, okay. So then there's that. I'm gonna let you. I want you to hit on all of this if you if you want sure. to. Yeah, yeah, and definitely. I'm I'm ready. There is Twitter, which we've talked about. It's kind of like Twitter is almost like you're at this massive cocktail party and you have a chance to kind of like whisper in some anyone what anyone's ear whether or not they're going to respond to you mm -hmm. is is another thing um you have a very active very awesome uh blog puppetnerd.com uh, website um you know that technology has been around a long time are we missing any any things in the arsenal um i don't think did you mention instagram well, we haven't talked much about Instagram um, about we haven't talked much about Instagram and like the way it works and followers and stuff like mm -hmm. that. Um, I feel like and I know some of my other uh, collage friends feel like it's kind of going nowhere. Um, mm -hmm. uh, my two cents is that I think most of the eyes are on TikTok yeah. or something else. And some of the evidence is that both TikTok and YouTube try to like ensnare you into like watching their short version videos right mm -hmm. if you end up watching tiktok instagram reels i never know how i got there but yeah all of a sudden yeah. I'm like isn't that funny I'm like, like oh wait a minute i thought i was on tiktok yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly yeah. no um, no that's funny yeah well yeah here, I'll, I'll go on for a little bit then um yeah mm -hmm. so definitely i think for me as a content creator um my pillar content is definitely the youtube that's mm -hmm. uh where i make my long form content that's where i that's where if someone wants to know me that's where they're going to find out exactly who I am because it's, it's, there's the most about me there. The, there's nothing hidden there, uh, whereas everywhere else it's kind of snippets or just snapshots. Uh, so yeah. so that's the killer that's like the book that's like the just novel by the nature just by the nature of the medium right like you can't yeah. tell your life story and like or even a piece of it in like one yeah. image or one minute video that you could could on like Instagram. not only that even though on instagram you can upload an hour-long video through igtv people aren't going to instagram to watch an hour-long thing but they will potentially do that on youtube it's the only platform that i can think of right now where anyone's going to watch anything long form and the nature of this art is it's kind of long form, even though I edit it down on time lapse things. You know, the, my one of my shortest videos will be like six minutes, but the average is like fifteen to twenty. So it, YouTube's great for that. It's just kind of like if you want to know everything about me, that's the place. Okay, mm -hmm. Facebook is where you can really have a community that you can interact with. That's what Facebook is great for. 
because it doesn't have great reach, but it has a great way of communicating with people and connecting with people that are part of this group. Facebook groups are a huge, I mean, there's no, to, that's essentially new forums. There used to be forums yeah, and people yeah, don't right. really use that anymore. Facebook groups are like the new forum and yeah. there's no, uh, there's no better way right now for me to be able to have that kind of a forum like interaction with with these people than on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Instagram, uh, I I see it as it's essentially a portfolio. Okay. okay. It's mm-hmm. a portfolio. It's a great way to, if someone just wants to get like a snapshot, an idea by going to my Instagram and just going like this, you'll understand what I'm about. Okay. Mm-hmm. You won't have the depth, of course, of like understanding my builds and then YouTube, but you'll be, okay, I understand what this guy does. Now, of course, there's a little bit of a uh, wrench thrown in there now that they have the reels, mm-hmm. which is, again, essentially just the TikTok. So I use reels and TikTok as a kind of a couple things. Sometimes I'll put all types of different stuff there. It's a little bit more of my experimental place because, like, like I mentioned before, the nature of TikTok is like essentially anything can go viral and people can be interested in things that you wouldn't expect. Yeah. So I use TikTok as a peek behind the curtain. And, um, and, and essentially as a playground, like that's the thing that is also amazing about TikTok. And yeah, what un- do you mean by playground? Well, TikTok, unlike any other platform before it, although many other platforms are starting to adopt it, it's the only platform that I can think of that you don't start with nothing. You know, if mm. you're, if you want to be a YouTube creator, oh, I got to come up with an idea. I got to come up with a theme. Guess what? YouTube. Use the sound. Hey, look at this trend. Let's do that trend. Let me use a snip of this. And it's all built right into the app. Yeah. Everything else, any other platform, Instagram, you know, Facebook, you have to comp- you have to bring something to the table. And then uh, and, and TikTok says, hey, here's an idea. Do this. Do this. Do this. And for that way, I mean, there's so many TikToks on there that are from a sound or a trend, videos that never would have existed for me. Without TikTok saying, "Hey, here's an idea. Here's an idea. Here's yeah. an idea." It's a uh, it generates ideas, which is again another part of it that made it um, take off so well because uh, it gave people a you know uh, let them. I mean, nothing's harder than than writing uh, and starting with a blank paper. You know, they essentially gave yeah. you a line of dialogue to, to get started with a story, you, you which is huge. realize something too. Cause like, even though I went to, I was in like middle school in the nineties, um, we would make TikTok kind of videos, mm-hmm. but someone needed a camera. It was usually like, you know, their moms or dads, right. Then you needed a CD and a stereo to play the music. Like my girlfriends, they would dance to NSYNC and Backstreet Boys and like do like either choreography. And like my guy friends that we would make, um, like horror movies right mm-hmm. i would have like i had a cd of like terminator and the theme song from terminator alien and we would like do all this stuff you record it do all this work edit it and who could you share it with essentially the only the people you made like that you made it <laughs> yeah with, like, yeah you know, five or ten people and so oh man you just made me realize that that's something that people want to do anyway yeah but even though i see i see how you're connecting that to tiktok too i see you're connecting that to tiktok but also it's a little different though because like the camera didn't give you that idea you still had to generate all those ideas and do that right oh you're saying the ideas there you're not just talking about the music you're not just talking about the filters you're talking about well again but the, the the music and the filters are what generate the idea 
You're like, yeah. hey, oh, I can have a dog face on me and do this video. Hey, I can do this. I can pretend to be Toto. I never would have done that on my YouTube channel or figured out a way to get a, a thing on my face. Just you know, yeah. that video doesn't exist. I didn't do that. I'm just trying to make up an example. Yeah. But uh, but the same thing, you know, for sounds, you know, and uh, inspirational quotes that people have that you might use that sound to, to building things about artists and what it's like being a maker, like those types of things. That's content I never would have made on my own, but it works so well. So again, it helps me produce. It's uh, essentially it's like a little producer, really, in a way, and an idea yeah. generator hmm. for things I never would have made on my own. So, for our listeners, um, where do you think um, some of this stuff is going? Because I, I, to me, I feel like there's kind of things are changing a little bit, and I and I, I don't know where it is. I mean, because to me, Instagram and Facebook are they don't have the power or reach that they used to. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to, and we've established that our goal here, uh, really our goal is, should be to make your artwork. Cause I know I wanted to talk mostly about like attitude towards work, but um, mm -hmm. I think that um, we don't, at the same time, if we're putting in the effort, we want to be putting our work with people that have, with, we want to put our work in front of the most eyes. Right, like that. I I think that's fair. Yeah, but that's not a choice. What do you mean? You don't choose how many eyes you go in front of. No, no. But I I know if I put something on Instagram, twenty people will see it now, or maybe a hundred if I'm lucky. But if I post something on TikTok, thousands of people could make. Oh, uh, yep. See, this is why we talk, Adam. You're making yep. me realize this. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> You're flawed thinking, man. That's not right. And again, especially yeah. like the value yeah. of those views versus here. Cause again, yeah. all those, all these algorithms, all, all these mm -hmm. platforms too, uh, they count a view. Do you know how much a view is? Them watching three seconds of, of your video yeah. count as a view. We're going to have a podcast all about right attitude towards work. Adam. <laughs> How do I get the most people to see my shit no matter what? No, Jesus Christ. By giving because here's the thing. Here's here's the whole thing. Yeah, and I think I've said this to you before. And and not to be confused with what I said a minute ago about followers. Like, what is a follower? Literally a follower. What does it mean to be a follower? Not on social media, a follower. In order to follow something, it has to be moving. Okay? Mm -hmm. You can mm -hmm. only follow something that's moving. If something's not moving, you can't follow it. That's why I make weekly videos. Mm. You want to go on a journey with me, I have to be moving. You mm. want to follow me, I have to be moving. So many people make a make 10 videos and be like, oh, no one's watching. Uh, 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 this isn't working. And then they stop. Mm. You didn't give it enough of a chance. You know? Mm. And if you've made it for a couple of years and it's still not working, then maybe reevaluate a little bit. But like you can't follow something that's not moving. And the best thing that's going to keep you motivated as a creator is not paying attention to it. Okay. I don't try to look, I don't often look back and be, how many people are following? Oh, shit. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and even not only that, uh, first of all, when you're beginning, it's depressing to look back. Oh, there's like nobody back there. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And even if you're, and I, I'm not saying I'm at this point cause I'm not, you know, mm -hmm. but I can't imagine having millions and millions of followers and you look back, you're like, Oh my God, I can't be in charge. I'm not, res I'm not even, I don't feel like an adult yet. I can't have all these, this responsibility. You're like, you kind of have to, to an extent, put your head down and just do what you love.
Just do yeah. what you love and just do it. Again, it sounds sure. so cheesy and corny, but mm -hmm. like that is the secret sauce. That's sure. the mustard jelly right there. So um, you said, you put me onto that concept. I can't remember who wrote the book. That was all brilliant, by the way. I'm going to pick a little highlight from there for the beginning of the show. Um, <laughs> you put me onto the idea or the book. I can't remember who wrote it. Um, start with why. Oh yeah, uh, Simon Sinek. Yeah, yeah. Another one. Another one. Again, like Gary Vee's great. But like, if you want, like Gary Vee is like, um, again, I, I like him a lot. But he's like, he's like the candy. He's like the dessert of like learning how to like work with social media, and because that that's what it's all about is, mm -hmm. is why you know. And Simon mm -hmm. Sinek, I would say Simon Sinek and Seth Godin, like that is your. That is your uh, meat and potatoes right yeah. there. And mm -hmm. then, like, Gary Vee's more like a dessert. Like, that's, yeah, I'm sorry. Go, okay. uh, go on. Start with what? Um, and so, quite literally, you know, if you ask yourself, why are you doing what you're doing? And the author uses Apple as an example of how, Ooh. like, their computers aren't necessarily better. Their computers cost more money. And when they advertise or when people buy their products, it's not about, we have a million gigabytes of RAM or whatever. It's just a motto. Think different. You know, I got a picture of John Lennon, you know, John Lennon never owned, probably owned a computer in his life. <laughs> yeah, not, even when, when, not even when they were the size of a room, <laughs> yeah. you know? Um, oh, oh, I like, oh, I like to think different. I like, I like John Lennon, you know? So, I sat down one morning and I wrote down like, why am I doing what I'm doing? Like, why did I make a uh, red wizard collage? And I had to come to terms with um, the fact that I literally said, I'm only going to make collage because I knew that's what I needed to do in that moment. I still love collage. Um, I felt like I was good at it. That's one of the reasons why I chose it. But I knew I needed to rein in my own uh, like ADD and scatterbrain, you know, and it was the perfect decision. I don't regret that decision like at all. But as I'm typing it, start with why I'm like, wow, man, my why just seems like not that great or whatever. But it helped me realize like I started only making collages for the reason I just said, which is like, dude, you got to focus right? I made myself focus for probably, I only made collages for maybe two years. Okay. Yeah. And that was amazing for me because I learned how to teach myself how to make art. I learned how to use all the social media. I learned how to make myself accountable. Okay. But as I typed that out, I was like, all right, well, I want to make, do other stuff too, mm -hmm. you know? And as I learned more about myself as an artist, um, I kind of, it was kind of the metamorphosis moment where I was like, shit, like I got to make other stuff than collage right now. And I had this like, um, I'm just saying it like uh, sarcastically, but uh, identity crisis, Yeah, you know, it's like, oh man, well, um, well, if I don't make collages, what are, what are my followers going to think? I don't give a fuck. You know what I mean? <laughs> and if they do, like, what they're just being an asshole, you know? Yeah. And so I started, I learned how to make comics. Um, I kind of locked myself in the basement and I um, uh, got kind of shy. I didn't like post a lot on social media because I wanted to learn 
um, how to do this stuff. And um, when I was collaging with comics, I realized like, oh, I I thought I wanted to be an artist when I got to high school because I loved mm-hmm. H.R. Geiger and Alien. But the comics showed me myself like a mirror when I was like in second grade. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be an artist before high school. Yeah. And these comics is what made me want to be an artist, right? And that start with why that advice was like enormous, just Mm -hmm. absolutely enormous. Why? I mean, am I getting it wrong? But uh, is it, is it really, you ask yourself like, what's your kind of mission statement or like, why are you doing, what are you doing? That seems to be the most important essential question. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Oh, without a doubt, which is why, uh, you know, because again, we're such good friends. We talk so much and I feel like I understand your art, which is why I could tell when you were wanting to get that printer, like that's not part of your why. And sometimes mm-hmm. you got the blinders out. You can justify it to yourself. But I saw like you needing to print things. You can have someone else print it. You don't need to do that part of the process. It's getting in the way of your why. And even like you talking about narrowing down to clash, clash is the perfect thing for you on so many different levels. And the one mm-hmm. part that you're still a little bit battling with is like, don't put that yourself in a box with that. You can still be the collage artist. Like, look, look at you. You're talking to a puppet maker. Yeah. How is this a collage p- podcast when mm. you're talking to a puppet maker? Do you know why? Yeah. Do you know why it is? Because you use Ulfa cutting knives. No. No. <laughs> because you are the collage artist. We're going wow. on a journey through the mind of a collage artist. What would it be like if a collage artist talked to this type of artist? What if it be like, like you, whatever you mm. do, brings collage to it because you are because you're attached to it it is right Mm -hmm. and again i mean and again collage is the perfect thing for too because if you're in a way you almost every art form is collage like like a puppet what is a collage bunch of different pieces come together to make one piece right Mm -hmm. a puppet is fur and foam it uses tailoring it uses sewing it uses uh sculpting it's 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 like a collage of all these different mediums and techniques to make that piece like again life is a collage you are not just an artist you are also a father you're a teacher all these things like Mm -hmm. david the red wizard is Mm -hmm. a collage of all these different aspects of life and and again like and and the fact and and and, and, and part of why I'm bringing this up too and why I mentioned that too is because like even in the beginning of this podcast you almost apologize you practically apologize to your artists to, to your listeners <laughs> yeah sorry I'm bringing on a puppet meter we'll get back to collage stuff soon like it is collage because of you yeah yeah it is collage because of you so um but yeah so I mean that's what it is because even like like I recently so my YouTube channel has been Adam Krutinger since for over 10 years. That's the name mm. of my channel. This past year, I changed it to Puppet Nerd. And that went against everything I believe in on br- building a brand. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge stickler on doing the brand as your name. But mm-hmm. what I realized is this grew beyond what I ever expected it to to be. And it's not just about me anymore. I really did kind of build a community in the Facebook group and, mm-hmm. and just teaching people about this art form. And I wanted to make it into something that other people can identify as as well. So it mm-hmm. is now Puppet Nerd as the channel. That being mm-hmm. said, though, I still have a bunch of my past things on there that have nothing to do with puppet nerd you know like my uh, the making of my wife's wedding dress video is on yeah I, I, that's i wanted to bring that up um, yeah but then again Captain but then Zulu again of star trek yeah shared that yeah that's one of my favorite social media stories of all time 
Yeah, what yeah, he shared it. It got over like 30 million views. For some reason, they deleted it, though. I even emailed them like, hey, like I want to send this to my grandma. Like, do you know where it happened? They're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. It's, for some reason, it's gone now. Oh but, my. but anyway, the YouTube version, which does not have 30 million views, unfortunately, is, mm -hmm. uh, is on my YouTube channel. But my point is on that. Even though that has nothing to do with puppetry anymore, mm. the puppet nerd made that dress. Like, how would a puppet, this show is like, okay, look, a puppeteer made a wedding dress. So, like, it's still, because it's made by me, there's a puppetry aspect to it in some way, because it's mm -hmm. on that channel, and it's an expression of me in that way. So, yeah. and that's that's what I think all artists have to do, especially if you want to uh, just put yourself out there into the world. Make yourself relatable. Don't put yourself in a box. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like, it made me think of something like, it's kind of like, how would a, sh how would a chef swing a sword right mm. um so a big aha moment for me was uh this year was um when i realized that um artists that i loved and respected that weren't collage artists on the surface would use collage as an integral part of their process mm. for making their work so uh bridget riley the uh is a an op artist so she makes these super intricate uh, paintings that are optical illusions you know they have some at the albright knox art gallery you know, they're like basically three-dimensional illusions or, you know, when you see the, like those black and white triangles and they look like they're moving and cascading. Mm -hmm. Well, how did she know um, that she could make that work um, without spending all that time, you know, with a ruler and the paint? She would cut tons of tiny pieces of paper and make compositions with them mm -hmm. and see if she could make the illusion that way, right? Yeah. And... Um, uh, Roy Lichtenstein, a famous uh, pop artist for, you know, the comic book style um, uh, works, uh, he would literally collage comics together, trace them on an overhead projector, boop, put them on a canvas, paint them. Yeah. You know, so that's when I was like, oh, yeah, collage isn't just the final product. It's it's a process. Yes. And and I'm sure, you know, puppetry for you in the future, um, uh, it is a process now and it, it, it can be, could become a, a process for uh, something else, you know. Yeah. Um, so maybe we've come full circle. I think um, a healthy attitude uh, towards work. My favorite quote about work is actually by, it's in the Bhagavad Gita. Um, uh, Krishna said, um, to work you are entitled to the fruits of the work you are not meaning mm. in life the only thing you're guaranteed this is my interpretation is uh your own effort yeah everything else is out of your control that that's beautiful i, I just had this conversation with people too which i think is you know it's one of the biggest obstacles that artists face is that they you know to put it harshly is they overvalue their work when you realize you have to realize that your work is only worth what someone is willing to pay and if no one's willing to pay for it it's not worth anything unfortunately that's a harsh mm -hmm. truth You're like mm -hmm. what what will bring attention and value to your work and unfortunately um not only is it not guaranteed, which is essentially what your quote says, um, 
it takes a lot of investment of time and of not getting paid in order to do that. You know, like mm-hmm. again, for example, too, of myself, um, you know, I, I always charged a pretty penny for a puppet, but in, in growing my following, um, I can charge even more now because there's mm-hmm. more, more demand for, for my work. Mm-hmm. And not only that, uh, I, I force that from the standpoint of I don't, I don't even like doing commissions that much. I do love doing them when I do it. When I take one, it's because I want to. But I, want, I don't want to just make a puppet for somebody. Like mm-hmm. I, When people ask me to make them a puppet and I'm considering the gig, I ask them why they want me to make it. And if they 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 just if they just want a nice puppet, I'll send them to somebody else. They have mm-hmm. to want a Krutinger puppet because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. that's what makes me want to do it too. I don't want to. I mean, unless it's a really good price, right? Mm-hmm. There's always that price that'll make you do it no matter what. But yeah. uh, but even just for like my my regular rate, like I have to want to do it. Okay. Yeah. Otherwise, I'd rather just make my own puppet for myself, add to my collection uh, here, okay, mm-hmm. and uh, and make videos for everyone who wants to watch them instead of making a puppet for this individual. Because I guess um, it's just not where I am as an artist. Mm-hmm. Um, want so many people want to just make art and sell it, make art and sell it, make a puppet, sell yeah. it, make a puppet, sell it. Like, no, I want someone to want my work. That's mm-hmm. what makes me. Um, that's what makes me excited as an artist. That's cool. And if nobody wants my work, I make it for me. And that's yeah. what I'm sharing with the world on YouTube. Yeah. I know something that um, I struggled with. I don't know if you've struggled this with, but especially when I was leaving college and we, you know, you study other artists, right? You study other writers and, you know, mm. thinkers and stuff like that. I think um, for myself, over identifying with my art and I see that a lot in social media, something like that. It's like, well, I am a painter. I'm a collage artist. I'm a writer. So then you start thinking, well, like, what does that make my personality? Well, and then you kind of put yourself, you know, into this box and it limits the work, you know, you yeah. can do for yourself. Right. Yeah. Like if, if you, you, you basically said you want to make work for yourself and you, you, I don't want to like, you know, quote you because you said it very well a moment ago, but like, you also are not closing yourself off from being like, oh, Trident, you want a bubblegum puppet? Yeah. That's not me, but, you know, it, the price is right, and like, and then I'll, I'll do it, you know? Yeah. And that's not a shallow thing at all. That's you being mm-hmm. open, and that's you being like, hey, now I've brought the Trident uh, mm-hmm. bubblegum puppet yeah. into the world, and... You learn something from it. Right? Well, that not, not only that too, but like, yeah, you're right. I can see someone taking what I just said there of something being for the right price, of that being kind of a shallow. But the reason why it's not, if I'm mm-hmm. taking on a project that I don't want to do just because it's like a buttload of money, it's because that money will allow me to make more of what I do want to do. Yes. Right? It'll yes. give me a little bit more freedom, okay? And yeah. and also, I mean, really, I've got a family you know, to yeah. take care of, too. So like, let's say if I get 50 grand for a puppet that I don't want to make, that is, I'm now excited. <laughs> like, what price made me excited to do the puppet that I don't really want to do? Like, that excites me because that's going to give me a lot more freedom to do more. Like, I can get a new machine. Sure. I can get, invest into a nicer camera for what I'm doing. It'll allow me to keep doing what I'm doing even more. Sure. And for all the youngsters in college, um, how much is it is a, a year of your tuition at school right now? It might yeah. be 50 grand, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, the, 
I remember I was getting a tattoo and I was paying for that tattoo as an artist. And I remember being like, oh, I don't like charging for my art. I was only like 20 at the time, 21. And he was like, dude, get paid for your art because when you make money with your art, it's just going to help you make more art. Yeah. And that was the first like wallop on the head. Yes, yes, like, that's yeah. true. But again, but one thing I'd warn people of is to mm. don't get tricked by that. You know, no, that can't sure. be no, no, why no. you're doing it. Some people get too yeah. caught up in it. No And way. that can't no be way. why you're doing that. That just has to essentially kind of, you know, be the bonus. And that's the thing that's so frustrating. So many people want to make a living from the art that they're doing. And I think... I think that first of all, I think people say it and and if it came true, they'd realize it probably wasn't quite what they wanted. Yeah. Um, you know, and and the right I I may have told you this before too, but like I mentioned earlier, I was a magician before I was doing this. Mm -hmm. And I learned that with my magic career because I was a full-time magician doing gigs all the time. It was a great job. I got mm -hmm. to just pretty much work on weekends when my friends were working 40 hours a week. I was working like four to eight hours a week, making the same, if not more, money charging for my shows. But it got to a point where I was, again, taking gigs that I didn't want to do because I needed the money. And it started to make me fall out of love with that performing art. But that can go for any art, for making art, just doing too many commissions, taking on projects that you don't want to do and aren't passionate about and or hate. You know, That's not going to make you fall in love with your art more. Yeah, it's not going to make you far. It's going to make you hate, resent doing the thing that you loved. Sure, right? I've been, I've been there before, man. I I I was passionate about garden design. Yeah, and um, I eventually hated it because yeah. I was sweating bullets, dude. I was lit. I would wake up with my heart pounding, being like, "Holy shit! I have so yeah. much to do. I'm broke." Right. Like yeah. this, this design, that's like an, it's a creative gig. Like starving artist, uh, is not, uh, it's, it's a real thing, man. It's, it's, a, mm -hmm. it's a real thing. And, um, even the jobs that you take on for more money, those could mm -hmm. be the ones that bite you when they ask you even harder. What allowed you know? me to grow my art and to be able to charge more was saying no, saying mm -hmm. no to gigs that I didn't want to do. It made me have to charge more for the for for the ones that I did want to do. And it and it just and it made me not resent what I was doing, saying no. However, you have to make sure you're in a position where you can say no. And that for me, that was having a day job. And I'm a I am an elementary school teacher like you, an art teacher. Yeah. And that allows me to say no because I'm not over a barrel for that gig and that money you mm -hmm. you really don't want to put yourself in a position where you need the money for the art that you're making because i love just... my i love my day job and i remember yeah. a friend of mine was like thought he had this idea in his head of what an artist just wants to be a free spirit like oh you probably hate getting up in the morning and the schedule i was like no man i love it because yeah, yeah i am the free spirit artist and if i'm just left in the void for myself at yeah. least very hard for me to have discipline but if i got to get up and do all these things and all these responsibilities i've done i've produced more artwork as an adult with more responsibilities than i've ever had mm -hmm. so many responsibilities that probably five or six times a day i look up in the air and i just like what is going on right now that's what yeah. having toddlers is like you know what i mean no you're right but i'm it doing went... more now than i was i wasted my 20s when i had yeah. way plenty of time you know yeah so i like the structure yeah, oh yeah absolutely mm -hmm. you know and for me what what helped me 
to be able to sell my art was not trying to sell my art at all, really. Mm -hmm. You know, some people make art and say, oh, this is for sale. This is the price. And I was just making puppets for myself and putting them out into the world. And then people started messaging me. Can you make me a puppet? How much for a puppet? You know, I was never advertising, oh, puppets for sale. You know, mm -hmm. I very rarely just like posted a puppet on eBay. I've done it like five or six times. And I might do it again. It's fun to kind of mm -hmm. put something like that out there. But um, I was always just making puppets for myself. And then people came to me. When you can do that with your art, have people, instead of you trying to sell stuff, have people come to you for it. That's what you've done. And and the only mm -hmm. way to cultivate that, and what, actually, I should say, it's never been easier. Not that it's easy, but it's never been easier to do that than in the world of social media. Mm -hmm. And and how are you going to uh, make it available for someone to even discover as something they might want if you're not there and you know, putting it into the world? You know? So is your why just the fact that you love puppets? It's weird. I have, I have, I have a couple. I have a couple whys. Mm -hmm. I, I've, I kind of have more than one why to, to, to why I do it. Um, again, I'd say mostly it's accountability in myself to keep myself doing it. Mm. Um, also, it's uh, a documentation thing for me for two reasons. Number one, to literally remember how I did stuff. Like if I have to build a puppet or do a process again, I can actually reference back to my own videos, which That's is great. It sound it may sound silly, but it's actually been handy. It's like, yeah. man, I built that puppet like five years. How did I do that one part? I go back to the video, like, oh yeah, that's right. I'm so glad that I filmed that. Um, mm -hmm. So there's that, and, mm -hmm. and this is gonna sound kind of cheesy too, and it could even come off as pompous, but it's, it's not why. Uh, mm -hmm. But but it's not. But it's not. Um, that's not that's not my motivation for it, but even just like kind of like a legacy thing uh, mm -hmm. to my family, um, mm -hmm. you know, having, you know, having kids, you know, mm -hmm. and my kids are hopefully, or maybe perhaps if they want to have kids of their own eventually and their kids may have kids, you know, and you know, it's just now it's, they can just see what I did and who I was. Mm -hmm. And even though it's just a matter of, of, you know, documenting my life in a way, and to me, one of the most important parts of my life, in a way, like, no one, no one really, I think, looks back and says, man, I wish I didn't have so much footage of my family, right? Or I wish yeah. I, I wish I didn't have so much footage of my dad. I wish I didn't have so much footage of my grandpa, right? Yeah. You, you always kind of wish you had, you had more. And, mm -hmm. and I, and I, that's something that I, I think about because like, um, so my birthday was just two days ago, yeah. And then, and my grandpa posted uh, a picture saying that uh, you know my grandpa is Ernie, which is my son is named after him. Everyone thinks it's named after the Ernie from the Sesame Street because of what I do. There's been Ernie Krutingers for over a hundred years, but uh, my my grandfather posted uh, that uh, you know my great grandfather Ernie Krutinger, his birthday was actually the day after mine. He was a leap year baby. Hmm. And um, he would have been 102 this year, hmm. and you know, I there's some photos of him. I don't. There's not one video of him. Like it would have been just cool to know who he was. I know about him. You know, I know he worked on the first rocket belt. He's you know he's got pictures in the museum from being part of that team. And there was even a clip of him on MythBusters, which is really cool. He, uh, your grandfather, helped build rockets. 
Great uh, the, the rocket, kind of like a jetpack, but it's technically called the rocket belt. There was a different oh. type of technology. Whoa! So yeah, you don't, you don't was, just have liftgate genes in you, or you yeah, have, you there's have there's belt. more. Yeah, rocket yeah. belt in your DNA. Yeah, we got some rocket belt in the DNA too. Yeah, <laughs> family of engineers and and stuff oh like that. Gosh. So and, and, and I'm a puppet guy, right? That's, that's but um, but again, just like again, even even my and my grandma too, and and everyone, and like, and what about their parents i don't even know their names yeah you know i could find i could talk to my grandpa i should talk to my grandpa find that out but like i don't think you can again like i just said nobody i i think very few people wish they had less footage of uh, family and history mm -hmm. and this is even though this is mostly just one part of it it's clearly an important part sure. and it's doing but again it's it's not just doing that. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing tutorials, right? I'm not doing a tutorial for my great, 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 great grandkid that I'm going to have. Um, but mm -hmm. the fact that they can see what I was doing, I really think that that's important. That's cool. To a level that's probably almost unhealthy. Well, and if you only had 10 videos, though, I'd be like, huh, you know, it still wouldn't be a very good picture of, of it'd be a better picture but, uh, than just a photograph, but it wouldn't be a yeah. very good picture of, of, of who you are. Um, I, I think that's a, that's a good place to, to end it if you want. I think that's, sure. um, a, a kind of a beautiful thing to consider. Um, we, we hit a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, we did. And we, uh, we went a while, but it, it felt uh, so natural, man, because as we were talking, I realized like, damn, Adam knows a lot about social media. And, um, and we did talk about how you have a excellent attitude, uh, towards work. And that's what I hope. That's what I needed to hear for myself as became evident in the show. And I think um, that's just good for everybody to, to get to get some Adam Krutinger vibes, some puppet nerd vibes from you today. So um, uh, do a plug for us, man. Where could people find more about you? If you want to get the full story, Puppet Nerd on YouTube, YouTube slash Puppet Nerd. Just type in how to make a puppet. It should come up. Um, TikTok. Same thing. Adam Krutinger at Adam Krutinger is my Instagram. That's what most of my stuff was at. And and there's a lot more coming too. We've got pod, Puppeteers podcast talking to the world's most passionate puppeteers. Weekly videos on Puppet Nerd, how to make puppets, all you, kinds you've of stuff. Spoken to like legendary puppeteers. When I I saw that you spoke oh, yeah. with the guy who made the chest burster from Alien. I was oh, yeah. like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. All types of different, not just Muppety stuff. Of course, we've interviewed many Muppeteers. Mm -hmm. The guys, uh, two people who've, done, who've been Kermit the Frog for years, uh, mm -hmm. you know, Gonzo. Again, like you said, um, people from the film industry, too, of doing more uh, creature-based stuff. So there's mm -hmm. literally something for everyone. And honestly, mm -hmm. in the future, like a lot of... I'm passionate about a lot of what we talked about today, too, as far as social media and stuff, too. Mm -hmm. And really, I kind of put that under the umbrella of, like, business for artists, right? Mm -hmm. And that's something else that I'm going to be spinning off into my channel. Either it'll be its own channel or it's going to probably start off as being a, a segment on my channel. And uh, I, I'm kind of working on a book for that. I'm working on a book for puppetry right now, like I mentioned earlier. But I also have a draft of a book on essentially social media and business for artists, essentially marketing for artists. Cause that's what it all, all is now. Social media is just 
marketing, but creative marketing in a way that pushes yourself as an individual. Uh, mm -hmm. Right now, the working title for all that stuff is Mustard Jelly, The Secret Sauce Artists Are Missing. I love it. So, yeah, it's kind of <laughs> goofy. It's goofy, which is hopefully going to uh, make it a little bit more sticky of an idea. Mm -hmm. But um, that's something. I've got a bunch of assets ready for it. i got so many things that I want to do with that, but I just got to get a couple things off my plate, and hopefully and I will by making, this summer. And if uh, the, uh, listeners that have kids, you're saying you're making like uh almost like puppet shows and songs and uh learning learning stuff with puppets now too right <laughs> yes yeah 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 that's uh that's not public or launched yet but i'll mention it here i'm not afraid to oh, it's, 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 it's public no no it's public <laughs> as in um you can find it now i just haven't mentioned it anywhere because i want to get um a base of content there i've kind of have mm. this um foundation of educational content that I want to release first before I really start pushing it so that teachers can use it for their curriculum. And that's called uh, Nimmel's Kids. That's mm. N-I-M-A-L-Z, Kids, K-I-D-Z, Nimmel's Kids. Um, yeah. Well, Adam, I think we could safely say that you are moving and you could only <laughs> follow something that's moving. So, ladies and gentlemen, Adam Krutinger is moving. And if you want to follow him, uh, I highly recommend it. So, uh, Adam, thank you so much. Um, you definitely uh, decluttered my brain, and I'm sure you have uh, many others today. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Dave. Talk to you soon, bud. See ya.